0: Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. The uh, the Lord Jesus is still calling and using people who are completely off the wall. <laughs> he was doing it in the age of the New Testament and... Uh, we have quite a collection here in this church. <laughs> now, if you'd like a Bible, um, we're going to read together from Acts chapter three. What uh, we have a number of church Bibles, and if you like one, you just put your hand up now, and maybe Matthew or uh, Graham will bring you one. It's on page uh, 1094,
1: Acts chapter three. Page 1094 in the Church Bible. Let's read. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple
0: at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I
1: don't have. But what I have I give you, in the name
0: of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, And while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And then, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us, as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him,
1: as you can all see. Now, brothers and
0: sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets, from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And your heirs of the prophets, and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples
1: on earth will be blessed.
0: And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you, to bless you by turning
1: each of you from your wicked ways.
0: Father, we pray that you would uh, help us now to understand the meaning and to apply its, its text and purpose to our own lives and situations today, all these years later. May we experience something of your living power, and may our own lives and Consciences and futures be touched and changed,
1: we pray. For his name's sake, amen.
0: The chapter we've read is obviously in, in two parts. You've got the first uh, 10 verses, which are a, a simple account of the miracle of healing. And then from um, verse 11 through to the end of the chapter, uh, you've got the explanatory sermon from the Apostle Peter. So you've got the lame man who was disabled from birth. He'd never walk. He's healed. And then Peter goes on to say, now look, everybody, this is what has happened. Let me explain to you what it really means and signifies. The apostles did quite a lot of miracles. Uh, for instance, in, in chapter 5, for instance, Uh, you read these words, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. It's the same place where this has happened now. And no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them. As he passed by, Uh, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Remarkable. But the thing to note is that the only miracle that is described in any detail in the Acts of the apostles and then explained is this one. This is unusual. The others are just referred to in passing, few words, half a verse here or there. But this one, the chapter after the day of Pentecost is given very special attention. Now the story is is very simple and wonderful. three o'clock in the afternoon. Peter and John were going um, to the afternoon prayer service at the temple and a disabled beggar was being carried to his usual patch. It's quite psychologically shrewd it's the same reason actually why people sell big issue outside the bank or or McDonald's. It's the same psychology, exactly. Um, If you've got money,
1: or you're treating yourself, if if that's how you think about
0: a McDonald's, you might might at that point feel a little bit generous and more inclined to to give somebody, which is why, you know, outside HSBC, I always get accosted, I always have to work out my strategy, uh, because I, I... Anyway, I have other ways of giving apart from buying big issue. And there was this gate, beautiful. To see a congenitally deformed person at any time is, is distressing, really, isn't it? But to see him lying right across the doorstep of the temple of the creator God whom you believe to be loving and compassionate that might indeed uh, prod your generosity. And Peter and John say, look at us. And then dramatically, he's healed. It, it's instantaneous. It's total. It's unarguable. This man has never walked before. And from that moment, he jumped down. He's excited. He's behaving like Andy Bastable up here on the stage. And for the very first time in his life, he goes, into the temple. He wouldn't have been allowed to. If you had any sort of injury or deformity, you were kept out. There were temple police to stop you coming an inch closer. He's in. He's able to worship God and sing God's praises. And God had touched him and changed his life. And he has a a new future and everything is different. And the curse of that old lameness is gone. The man is transformed. And we, we read a sentence about the reaction of the people. Astonishment and wonder, and is it really
1: him? Yes, it is. Wow. Hmm. This raises one or two very big questions, doesn't it? At least at the second time of reading. Why don't the apostles,
0: if Christ is giving them the power like this, why don't they set to work? And if they did it systematically and carefully, they could rid the world of all crippling disabilities. I mean, in 20 years, those men could have cleansed the entire Roman Empire of all disease. Can you imagine? A completely disease-free area. Not one infectious disease that could be caught by another person. We, we we transmit disease. We, we cough and splutter and people catch things. But can you imagine the Roman Empire without anything like that? What an impact that would have had. A disease-free world. Uh, and a devout Jew might have um, recalled Isaiah, which talks about the, the Messianic age. Can I just um, read to you? Um, Isaiah says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, don't fear, your God will come. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and so on. They could have set to and, and done it and that would have had an astonishing impact. Why not? But then another question. If God has any love in him
1: at all, how come there are diseased people anyway? People from birth with spina bifida, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, or this man who has been lame from birth. Can God not hear their cries inside his temple? Will he,
0: can he do anything from inside there beyond just asking his people to be kind and compassionate?
1: And a third question. How much longer
0: could we go on worshipping, singing his praises, magnifying? his love and compassion, wouldn't the cries of those lying on the doorstep strangle the praises in our throats after a while?
1: These are big question. And these are the questions, precisely,
0: that Peter stands up to answer. He begins to apply what's happened and to explain it. Now, this is the second great sermon in the Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 2, he stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached. And now chapter 3, he stands up again and preaches. Both of those sermons were to do with the timing of things. In the first great sermon, the previous chapter, he was explaining the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, And he's looking back and he says, "Now these are the last days because look, God has raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, These are the last days, but there is an opportunity for you now to to repent. You can call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. He quotes Joel chapter 2. Now here in the second of the great sermons, he's not looking back so much. Now he's looking forward. He says to the same people possibly, he says, look, there's a day coming. There is a day coming, a day of restoration and refreshment, but
1: you need to get ready. He
0: begins by saying, um, where is it? Verse 17, 18. He says, now look, don't be surprised. This, This is Jesus at work. Don't you think for a moment that Peter and John did this? Of course not. This is Jesus at work. He did this sort of thing. He's risen. He's still doing it. Some of you used to remember. You used to come actually here, possibly stand in the same place in Solomon's colonnade because this is where Jesus used to come all the time and preach and teach and do the most remarkable things. You heard him. He's still alive. He hasn't changed. This is Jesus at work. But secondly,
1: you have got a serious problem. Because it was only six or seven weeks ago that you disowned him. You rejected him.
0: He charges them with a number of things. In verse 13, he says, you had him killed. The only one on earth who has the power to do this, you had him destroyed, didn't you? At the end of verse 13, he says, Pontius Pilate was wanting to release him. He said three times in that extraordinary trial, not guilty, not guilty. He wanted to release him, but you demanded that he be condemned. Look, you Jews, you're supposed to be a blessing to the Gentiles, don't you remember? Don't you remember the covenant promise that Abraham was given, your great forefather, how he was to raise up a great people who would be a blessing to the Gentiles? What were you doing? You were persuading the Gentiles to have the Savior of the world killed. What have you done with Jesus? He goes on in verse 14. You actually preferred, didn't you, a murderer? You preferred Barabbas. In other words, faced with the choice between the perfectly holy Son of God and a criminal with blood on his hands. What did you choose? Tell me.
1: You chose the murderer.
0: Verse 15, you killed the author of life. The Son of God who came to this earth to bring you just what you have seen done in the life of this poor man, now restored. You
1: killed him. So what now? You better be warned,
0: because your situation is truly serious. It is actually much more serious than merely uh, to be facing the problem of physical disability. You cannot murder the Son of God and then expect God to reward you by turning this world immediately into heaven. Your problem is much, much more serious. You are guilty of murder and rebellion. When God came in the person of his son, you nailed him to a piece of wood, you mocked and scoffed and laughed and buried him, but now you want what he came to bring.
1: You see the challenge of this. This is a very intelligent
0: and penetrating sermon. But then he begins to tell them some of the good news. In spite of all that and what you've done and you've got blood on your hands, I want you to, to know, to be reminded from the prophets, from the beginning onwards, God's program is still on track. You see, God, just because of what you've done, God isn't going to cancel his covenant with Abraham. He's not going to set aside all those um, reminder promises that came following Abraham. I mean, he refers to the prophets in verse 18, again in verse 21, in verse 24, in verse 25. You, you can see it for yourself. He reminds them again and again and again. This is what the prophets said. They prophesied that you would do this, and they prophesied that God would still accomplish what he intended. In verse 21, well, let's, let's read that very specifically. As one of those verses. He must remain now in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. There is coming. Peter, a time of restoration, a time when God will, well, what you've just seen is a tiny example of what God is one day going to do. There is going to be a time when creation, the whole of it, around the globe, every country will be liberated from bondage to disease and to decay and to death and so on. Never again will physically or mentally disabled people be laid at the door of God's temple. There is coming a day. It will never happen. Once that day has come, that's it. People will be able to rise up and run and have strength to praise the Lord. This will not be the Roman Empire. This will be the Jesus Empire. The day is coming. This miracle that you see
1: is just a pointer. It's just a smell coming from the great barbecue. Can I put it like that? Just occurred to my mind. It's not a very well thought out phrase. <laughs> this, this is just a sound of the music of the party.
0: This is a sign. This is a pointer. This is a foretaste. This is a sample. This is an evidence. How many more words do you want? This is a little bit of what it's one day going to be like. And it has been given to you today. But you need to get ready. Do you see? The future is coming. You can be part of it. But not if you hold to the old attitudes to Christ. In God's great mercy, he has set a timetable. And the timetable includes a period for repentance. It's built in. It's, it's in the plan. It's now. You can be forgiven. Times of great refreshing and restoration will come. Now you have the opportunity to turn to him and begin to get ready. This was Peter's message, and it's it's our gospel too, actually. Jesus the Messiah is going to come back to judge and to reign. That's certain. There's a fixed end point of our life, of our civilization, and so on. It's coming. He will set up his kingdom. This has been Promise in every book of scripture, he will set up his kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness and wholeness and healing and peace, but not just yet. Because if he came immediately now, there would be thousands, millions who might never have heard the gospel and some who were who, who still thinking about it and aren't yet ready. First, our hearts must be touched and cleansed, and our rebellion ended, and our attitudes change. You and I need some refreshing inside in order to be made ready.
1: The day is coming. We need to be refreshed, cleansed, forgiven, to
0: learn to trust and obey. And one day, what happened in Acts chapter 3 will happen globally. This was the message of the apostles. What are the lessons um, for us today? Uh, Three of them, very quickly, I think. Number one, um,
1: the world around is still obviously broken, hurting, disabled, at war
0: with itself. And we have this great hope the great hope of one day universal healing and peace and glory. But a glorious future should not lead us to a lazy or hard-hearted present, should it? I mean, as we learn to trust and obey, the challenge concept, well, take 1 John three seventeen. if any of you has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? It's obvious.
1: So we must love all we can. We must do all we can, while we can. For now, but have a clear
0: sense of the timing of where we're at in God's program. The second thing um, don't mistake the necessary love and care and compassion which the gospel leads to. Don't mistake that for the gospel. It's not the same thing. See, Peter was, was courageous enough not to stop short just with this act of power and love and, and, and the supernatural, and to say, there you are, enjoy that, that's, that's Jesus. No, he went for the jugular. He wanted to make sure that they understood the point of what had happened. He wasn't going to then begin to go throughout Jerusalem and every disabled person he came across, and encourage those
1: that followed him, someone's unhappy, uh,
0: to, be, to be healed. Not at all. The world does not want its deeper problem exposed and diagnosed. Unlike us evangelical types talking about sin, doesn't want to hear any summons to risk, uh, repentance or to face Christ. It hates it when Christians talk this way. When Christians say, you know, there are things that we need to face up to and repent of and change. There are things in our society which are unacceptable there are things even in the church which need to be got rid of. They just hate it. What the the world wants is healing and prosperity and a better life and lasting peace, but without God, without the moral requirement to turn to him and repent. It will even tell us to give up our doctrine and our teaching and our truth and our moral imperatives and just get on with helping the Poor and being nice and compassionate, which we are very willing to
1: do, but we will not give up. the core of the gospel, which
0: is that people should turn to God and repent and be forgiven and find life. see, the world wants the church's charity and generosity,
1: but not its savior. What the world wants is not going to happen. You can't have paradise without repentance. You can't have blessing like this
0: without the Lord. You cannot have heaven without coming to terms with the God whose home it is. Do you see? Peter is so courageous. He doesn't just bask in the fact that he had, by God's appointment, an unusual ability at certain times to do certain things. He was absolutely faithful to the people that were Now, crowding around listening and saying, Look, your situation is worse. Can I warn you? Can I explain? You need to get right with your Creator. You want healing and eternal life, and yet you want to remain closed and resistant and hateful towards the God who
1: offers those things. No way. What happened? Turn and repent. It's powerful. So, what should we do? How should we live? Three things. Number one,
0: I think we can expect, we can live in the hope and expectation of God's blessing. God sends times of refreshing, times of healing in relationships, times of extraordinary power from time to time, little mercy sprinkly drops, you know. There have been people raised from the dead and there have been healings and hallelujah, and I've seen some of them and demons cast out and and all that sort of stuff. Wonderful. We ain't in heaven yet, but let's live with the the, uh, the knowledge that heaven is real and sometimes a bit of stuff splashes over the dam and uh, these kind of mercy drops. We are to experience, not in, in fullness, but enough to keep us hoping and going. We are to experience God's blessing. These foretasters of heaven. Do you experience sometimes the word and the voice of God feeding your soul? Who's mm, good. You read and you enjoy and it it explains something and touches. Just think what heaven is going to be like. When that great barrier between us and the unseen world is gone. Keep going. Keep hungering. Keep experiencing. That renewing of relationships that sometimes now in this world, they do get so dry and miserable. Tense and frictional. And then they come, you know, the Lord comes with the oil can and and, and things are to run smoothly again.
1: I don't know why I do that, but it, it just feels like that.
0: A no. little bit of heaven. We need to expect, and we need to experience. You, you've all sensed at times that lifting of hearts in praise and adoration, and you feel you could sort of uh, do anything
1: that's mad. But that, that isn't always how you
0: feel on a Monday morning. Not me. You see, we haven't got the real thing yet. The really big restoration and refreshing is when he comes. It's as if, you know, the door of heaven.
1: um, I want to live my life. The door of heaven opened a chink. And light coming out. Music and laughter. And settling on me. And I want to live my life. Not through the door yet, but with the door opened a bit and a bit of that stuff in my soul. One or two of you are smiling. One or two of you think I've
0: joined the lunatics that I was speaking of at the beginning. Do you see? I live my life heading for the door, the door open, and I want some of that music and laughter in my soul. But I ain't there yet. One day the door is going to swing wide and I'm in. I'm, I'm in. That's what Peter is talking about. You will need to repent. You will need to get your heart touched and cleansed. You'll need to get right with the Creator. Don't think you can have all the stuff that he's got planned for you. And you try and keep him out. Expect, experience, and infuse about it. Evangelicals can sometimes be made to feel ashamed of their strong belief in heaven or pie in the sky. What other hope is there for this world? What do you say to a young mum dying of cancer? She's never going to see her children grow up. She's never going to watch them get married because this wretched disease which exists in this world has come. We have a gospel that addresses that, that offers the profoundest confidence and hope for the future. We need to keep telling this gospel as Peter did. He stood up and he said, now look, Taste it. Look, we ain't there yet. But that is the sort of thing that God is going to do. But he's given an opportunity for people to hear the gospel and to repent, to think, to examine themselves. Christians are going to be compassionate people, colonies of heaven, beginning to live by those values, serving and loving and caring and doing all that they can. But knowing that there's a great day coming. Get ready
1: get right. Be refreshed by that gospel yourself and tell it boldly. Amen.
0: God, our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the courage and wisdom of Peter. Help us to apply these things in our own lives as we go through struggles ourselves and find that sometimes we're waiting. May the stuff we go through just increase our longing and expectation for heaven. And may we live lives, Lord, that are fresh with joy, where that light streaming out the door is on our faces and hearts. For your name'sake, amen. Thank you for joining us today. The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.